Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Well, hello to you from beautiful Buffalo, New York, where the Blue Jackets are enjoying the day off today after losing an overtime game in Minnesota to the Wild yesterday. 3-2 was the final score. It was actually the Blue Jackets versus Kirill Kaprizov. That's really what that game was because Kaprizov got all three of the goals. He had two in the third period. He had the one in overtime. It was his show. It was his day. The Blue Jackets were just there for it, I guess. But anyway, he's a great player, and when great players become engaged and they decide to change the game, they have the ability to do that, and that's what Kaprizov did yesterday. So, again, for the Blue Jackets, it's a three-point weekend. They beat the Edmonton Oilers in that <laughs> that uh, – I don't even know how to describe that game. That I was going to say that rousing game. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of words for it. That 6-5 to five win on Saturday at Nationwide Arena and then losing in overtime yesterday. So they are – Continuing to pick up points. Maybe you like that, maybe you don't like it, but I've told you before, and I'll tell you again. You cannot get an athlete to give less than 100%. Not on purpose. Sometimes it'll happen because they don't feel well or it's it's just not their day or whatever. But, you know, if you gathered everybody up and said, hey, listen, we need all of you to underperform today, if that's at all possible, they're not going to do it. So they picked up three of a possible four points And now they're going to play in Buffalo tomorrow, and the trade deadline is on Friday. Friday is also a game day, which further complicates or maybe doesn't complicate anything. But uh, the week is finally here. And what's going to happen with the Blue Jackets? Who's leaving for sure? What is coming back in return? The questions that we've had for a long time are going to get answered this week, finally. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Somebody, somebody asked me a question, and I want to find this question because it's how I want to start, start the show today. Here it is. Mark Carell says, Do you like, hate, or are you indifferent during trade deadline season and why? Do I like it? Do I hate it? Or am I indifferent? Um, it's a little bit of each of those things, to be honest with you. I don't like it when the team's in a situation like this. I mean, if you go back to the year that Yarmo acquired Matt Duchesne and, you know, was loading up to try to really take a run at the Stanley Cup, I like that. And that was a lot of fun, right? When you're in this situation, you know, it's more of a, I hate it thing. But here's the part I hate about it the most. It, it This is whether you're in first place or last place. When the trade deadline comes, somebody that you like is more than likely to leave. Somebody that you like is more than likely to leave. And that's how it is. I mean, I liked Anthony Duclair when he was here. And he's a good guy. He was a fun guy to be around. And he got traded. And he was gone. I like Vladislav Gavrikov. He's a great guy. He is so much fun to be around. And with the situation that he's been going through, it's even more weird because, you know, we've been walking around for two weeks, and he's been here, 
he's been there. He's been all over the place, but he's still with the team. You see him practice. Uh, you see him on the bus. You see him on the plane. And you just don't see him in games. So that's that's been really weird. Um, you know, sometimes guys get traded that surprise you. and You didn't even think that that guy was going to be traded. And then he's gone. Um, that's the part I hate about it. I hate that, you know, this is you have your group and you know your group is going to change. And it needs to change sometimes, for good or bad. Um, that's the part about it I hate. But it's just when it comes to, and then I said, I'm kind of a little of each, and I told you why, you know, when I love it and why I hate it. And when the indifferent part or where the indifferent part comes in, to me, is it's going to happen. And there's nothing that you can do to stop it. It's, it's going to come. And it's going to go, and you have no control over it. So if your friends leave, you have no control. Uh, if they don't leave, you have no control. So, you know, it's just one, it's the date on the calendar where every year I'm like, okay, well, here it is. This year it's March 3rd. So you just wait for it to, wait for it to happen. So that's where I am on that, which is basically all over the map, right? I mean, I covered it all. That was the that was the biggest politician move that I may have ever made on this show. I just took three positions on the same subject. Three, not two. Three positions on the same subject and explained them all. You can't get more political than that, can you? I mean, jeez. Jeez. Man of the people, please, and everybody. Or nobody, all at the same time. Hey, if you have a question, and if you haven't sent it to me already, you can on Twitter. You can send it to me at Bobby Mac Sports. You can also request to be a speaker if you're live on Twitter Spaces right now. And, uh, and you can come on and ask your question if you want to do that. So you have options. So whichever option you decide to take, I welcome it. All right, let's uh, see what else is on people's minds today. Troy Noak says, after seeing what the Predators received for Tanner Janot, do you think it's a foregone conclusion that the Blue Jackets will get a first-rounder for Gavrikov? Well, let's talk about what the Predators got for Tanner Janot. And it is it is ridiculous. It's, it's kind of crazy, to be honest with you. Now, look, Tanner Janot, big guy. He can fight. He's tough. Uh, and he can play. He's today's fighter. He can play. Here's what the National Predators got in exchange from the Tampa Bay Lightning by sending Tanner Janot, one player, okay? One player went to Tampa. One player came back to Nashville, defenseman Cal Foote. In addition to Foote, the Predators also got a 2023 third-round pick, 2023 fourth-round pick, 2023 fifth round pick. That's all coming up this summer. Three picks. Three picks and a defenseman in exchange for the forward Tanner Janot. It's a pretty good return, right? Oh, but wait. There's more. They also get a 2024 second round pick. Wow. That's that's even better. But wait. There's more. A 2025 First-round pick. Wow. That's a lot of picks. 2025 first round, 
2024 second round, 2023 third, fourth, fifth round, and Calfoot. That's what the Predators got. So Troy's question is, is it a foregone conclusion that the Blue Jackets will get a first rounder for Gavrikov? I don't think anything is a foregone conclusion. Now, I, I have an opinion on what I think that they should get, but I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion. Maybe the team you're dealing with has already dealt their first-round pick. Or maybe you have to take one next year. Or maybe you take a top prospect. We'll get into all of that as the show goes on. Because there are so many questions that are very similar to yours, Troy. I'm not trying to brush yours off. It's a good question. But we'll take, we'll take and kind of add to it as we go along here and dig down into the nitty-gritty of it. Uh, who do we have? Chip says, other teams with top four defensemen available have started selling off, like Nashville and Washington. In my opinion, that position has shifted into a buyer's market. Do you feel like the Blue Jackets missed the boat on a first and third round and then plus something else? Uh, did they miss the boat on that first, third, and a plus ask for Gavrikov? Also, dirty move by Boston to back out. Okay, let's be clear on all of this Boston speculation. And I say speculation because I saw it one place. I saw it one place, and and maybe there were other places. But, look, the deal was not consummated. The handshake hadn't taken place. There was no sign on the dotted line. So, from that standpoint, if there was an agreement in principle and if the Boston Bruins moved out of that agreement that was not signed on the dotted line, I guess, I guess I would have to say that they were within their rights to do it. Now, when that was speculated, and uh, we talked about it last week on this show, that's when uh, David Panyota from the fourth period put out the tweet talking about Gavrikov going to the Boston Bruins. And it was a, a first and a third, and and Boston needed to move out salary. So, and Craig Smith was the name that he mentioned. So, Craig Smith did move. And I guess different things happen in those conversations. You know, Dmitry Orloff is a good defenseman. And Dmitry Orloff has more of an offensive upside than Vladislav Gavrikov does. So now, hey, I'm going to move Craig Smith. And, oh, oh, wait a minute. Orloff's available? Okay. Well, let's talk about this. And and then they go ahead and strike a deal like that. So I I don't know. I'm it's easy to make Boston the bad guy, and I'm not saying they're not the bad guy. Maybe they are. But it wasn't signed. So if there was a handshake agreement and and that if somebody gave their word and then broke their word, that's one thing. But I don't know if they did. I don't know. Do you know? You don't know. I don't know. You know, was it a, absolutely, you just hold on and we're going to do this. I promise we're going to do this. Ah, oh, wait a minute. We're not going to do this. I don't know if it went like that. Maybe it's, uh, hey, I got to move some things around. Can you hold on? Okay, you can. Great. Thanks. And then they do something else. I, I don't know what the whole conversation was. So it's easy to point the finger. But look, the whole thing in a nutshell 
that it was speculated and then it didn't happen. And the fact that we're talking about did the Bruins, uh, you know, play the bad guy here and, you know, stab the Blue Jackets in the back as they were running to the door to to get uh, Dimitri Orlov. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But it's, the fact that we're even talking about it is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that the situation went down the way that it did. It's it's, But, again, you don't know all the inner workings of it. You know, we weren't in the room with Yarmo, so I, I don't know all the inner workings of it. Uh, let's see. Andrew, how much has Matthew Olivier helped this team behind the scenes? Uh, when he was picked up, I had no idea who he was, and now he's a mainstay on the Corrali line and even getting some goals. The team brought him in to be a physical asp- or bring- <laughs> The team brought him in to bring a physical aspect, but he seems like a good off-ice guy, too. He's a great off-ice guy, as are most of the tough guys that have ever played this game. The guys that seem the meanest on the ice are usually the nicest off the ice. Ask Jody Shelley. He'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> but um, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a great teammate. He, uh, he does whatever he's asked to do. He does it well. He, he's really playing well. Um, you know, the goal he got yesterday, the goal is icing on the cake for him. Whenever you talk to his line mates, and you talk to Brad Larson, they come back to the same thing. He is doing a great job of holding on to the puck right now. Well, what does that mean? That means that he is he's going down the boards and around behind the net, and he's keeping control of the puck. And that gives opportunity for those other guys to get into an open area where he can get them the puck. So uh, he, he's really, you know, he didn't have a lot of NHL experience coming in. He played in Nashville a little bit. But he was up and down between the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League. So it's um, he's been a good ad. He's been a really, really good ad. Um, you know, yesterday was case in point. Uh, Minnesota, things didn't get out of hand in that game. Uh, they could have. But when you have him and you have Goodbranson, teams think about it for just a second. And usually when they think about it, they don't do anything about anything because they know there will be repercussions. And that's what it's all about. It really is. Oh, uh, what's up next? Andy McLean. Andy says, what do you think has changed with Elvis's game that has him playing better since around the All-Star break? Time off, finally healthy, better team play all around. He seems more focused, and both goalies are having solid games each night. That's correct, Andy. They are having solid games each night. Now, Elvis spoke about this after the game yesterday, and he said that he went away on vacation, even though he didn't deserve it over the All-Star break. He said he didn't deserve it, but his wife has their young son, and she deserved it, so he went. And he said he got everything out. He literally said that he just went out into the ocean and screamed it out and uh, let it go. And he's come back more focused and more determined. And I, I don't doubt any of that. I don't doubt a word of it, quite honestly. I think he's absolutely being honest. I think that's what he did, and I think it helped him. But I also think something else, and I could be crazy, but I'll, I'll tell you what I think. I think that he, for the time he got here, from the time he got here, he was expected to be this huge star. He's got the big personality, and he was supposed to be a big star, and it is a heck of a lot of pressure to do all of it. And as a goalie, on top of all of that, 
a guy that's going to play 60 minutes a night, a guy that's going to play three out of four games a week, that's tough. So there was already this image that had already been uh, created. You've got to live up to the image. And, oh, by the way, you've got to play the game against the best players in the world. We're not in Switzerland anymore, right? So now you're doing this in your your first game. You're doing it against Sidney Crosby. And it, good luck. So you're, you're trying to, to live up to this hype, almost this caricature in some ways, and you're trying to be the best goalie and put on a show, and that's a lot. It's too much. It's way too much. What I see from him now is, and it, to me, it's not just the all-star break. To me, it's from the moment that he lost the starting goaltender's job here. And he did, and we all know it, and he knows it. And I think that's the best thing that happened to him because now he knows his role. He knows when he's going to play. Believe me. It, it, he looked at the schedule the last two weeks and said, oh, I'm going to get the second game of that back-to-back with travel. Yes, you are. But now he's got to respond to it, and he has. But I just think, this is my personal opinion on it, I think there's so much pressure relieved because Corpusalo is now the starting guy, and he's playing really well. And there could be pressure to feel like, well, I when I come in, I, I've got to be that good. I've got, there's, he could take pressure that way, but I don't think he has. I think it's almost like he has, he's taking a breath. He's, he's breathing. And it's like, oh boy, this is all right. I, here's the games. I, I know I'm going to play this game. I know I'm going to play this game. I got to be good in those games. I got to be ready in the other games, but you know, Corpy's really playing well, and the pressure is relieved. Now, by the end of the week, the pressure might be back, depending upon what happens with Jonas Corpusalo. And then we'll find out if his approach, and I'm talking about his mental approach over these last couple of weeks, if he can take that same approach into playing three out of four games. That's what's going to be interesting to watch for me. It really is. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing if the guy that we saw play yesterday is going to be the same guy that's playing next weekend. If, if, when, if, when, Corpusalo is dealt. And I hope he is the same guy because he's a good person. And he, um, yeah, I... Like, for, for me, I just want to, I'd like to say, just be yourself. Don't be, don't feel you have to live up to the hype and this caricature and this online, you know, um, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't want to say online ego. It's the, the uh, you're like one person online, another person offline. That guy, Look, just be you. Just be you. And he is online, but it's... It's everything. I again, I've got, I got two kids, twenty one and nineteen, and online is like, uh, oh, look at this person. Oh, look how happy this person. Who knows if they're happy or not? For crying out loud, who even knows them? You know, Elvis, just be you. Just relax and be you. And that's to me what he has been in these last couple of weeks. He's taken the back seat to Corpusalo. 
He's let the pressure ease away from himself. And he's played well when he's been called upon. That's what they want from him. That's probably what he wants from himself. And if he continues to be that way, he'll get back to to being the goaltender we saw a couple of years ago. I do think that. It's my opinion. But that's what I see. I just see a more relaxed guy. I see a guy that, you know, he's he doesn't have to talk to the media all the time, picks and chooses. Um, I, I just... I just think, I think it's overall better for him. I do. I, I just think mentally it's got to be better for him to just uh, be where he is right now. Travis Weaver, thoughts on trades around the league from the last few days? Do any stand out over the others? Well, I told you that Tanner Janot trade, I mean, that thing stands out because of the uh, the number of picks that went one way. Um New Jersey finally got Timo Meyer from the Sharks. They also got Scott Harrington in that trade, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. But that's a that's another trade where there's well, the Devils get Timo Meyer, they get Scott Harrington, and then they get uh, young players, a a defenseman, a forward, and a goalie, and a fifth round pick. Um Andreas Johnson goes to the Sharks. He's a forward. And then a couple of Young defenseman, oh, Fabian Zetterland, who was playing in New Jersey last they played the Blue Jackets. He went to the Sharks, too. Uh, First-round pick goes to the Sharks. Conditional uh, 2023 first-round pick, a conditional 2024 first-round pick, and a 2024 seventh-round pick. Uh Here's one that jumps out to me. Jack Johnson, back to the Colorado Avalanche. I love that trade. Good for Jack. I mean, Jack got to go there and win a... uh, Stanley Cup last year. Couldn't happen to a better guy. And now he's going back and trying to make it, trying to help them to get into a position where they can win two in a row. Uh, Ivan Barbashev going to the Vegas Golden Knights. Interesting one there. Barbashev's name has been thrown out, out and about. He ends up in Vegas for Zach Dean, who's a centerman. This Montreal-Dallas trade is weird to me. Uh, Dennis Gurionov leaves Dallas, goes to Montreal in exchange for Evgeny Dadunov. And Dadunov is like, he, he he has potential, but he's really fallen off the map the last couple of years. Remember when he was in Florida and he was like a, he was a dangerous guy. You didn't want to be on the ice with that guy. Now he's just kind of fallen away. Winnipeg, I think Winnipeg made a nice trade here. Cost him a, Second-round pick in 2024 to get Nino Dinderreiter from the uh, Predators. And I think that'll help them. He's a he's a good guy. He plays with that sandpaper and grit. And, uh, you know, he'd been in Carolina. He's gone through the battles, so he knows what it's all about. Uh, what else? Keith Kincaid gets traded to the Avalanche, which is uh, – I, I tell you why I'm laughing on that. Because Chris McFarlane is now the general manager of the Avalanche. He used to be an assistant GM with the Blue Jackets. And uh, we were talking, this was a couple of months ago, and we were talking about a playoff run in the American Hockey League when Chris was in charge of the roster in Syracuse. And we had had 
goaltenders were injured, maybe called up. I, I forget. We were we went through about, I don't know, eight guys that season, it seemed like. But when it came to the playoffs, Carl Gehring, who had been in the organization and was gone, they brought him back. And they brought him back as like a, a veteran backup guy. And it turned out that he had a play because of whatever the injuries were. I can't even remember who else was on the roster that year. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I was talking to Chris a couple of months ago, and he was he was saying, I should have got more goaltending. I should have gotten somebody else at the deadline, and I didn't. And I, that's my biggest regret. I think we could have won a Calder Cup that year. And and I laughed at him, and I, I laughed, first of all, because I'm like, Chris, you're an NHL GM now. Don't worry about the championship you didn't win in the American Hockey League. But the fact that he does tells you all you need to know about him and his competitiveness and, you know, how he wants to see things through. I'll give him that. But uh, I said to him, I go, I can't wait till the trade deadline because I will be watching the wire like a hawk just to see how many goalies you pick up. <laughs> so here we go. There's one. Keith Kincaid, the consummate backup. Uh, everybody's everybody's choice. You, you want to talk about good guys. You want to talk about guys with social media presence, that guy. Um, but but Chris is trying to put together some insurance policies there in goal. So you know what they say, lesson learned. <laughs> of course, the biggest trade hasn't happened yet, but it's a pretty much foregone conclusion that it is going to happen, and that's that Patrick Kane is going to leave the Chicago Blackhawks and go to the New York Rangers. Scary. Scary. Be reunited with Artemi Panarin. They did incredible damage when they played together in Chicago. They'll play together again. So, I mean, that that's the big one. Just waiting on that. I'm not just that, but that, I mean, that's the big, uh, what's the word, what, uh, what do you call it? The next big thing. That's the next big thing. It's coming at some point. Uh, what else do I have here? Kevin, how do you think the team will play after the trade deadline? I'm assuming Gavrikov and Corpusala will likely be gone, and they're fantastic players, but the team has been playing well lately. Uh, do they stay on the current trajectory? How would sending guys to Cleveland change things? That's going to be the real question. Um, again, as I was saying earlier, Kevin, it is likely that Gavrikov and Corpusala are gone, so... Uh, the goaltending, as I was talking about with Elvis, if he keeps the same approach, that'll be fine. I think the defensive structure is finally there. And uh, I want to see something here. The defensive uh, structure is finally there, so that's better, and I, I think that'll just stay the same. <clears throat> Let me see here. Maple Leafs and Blackhawks trade. Oh, this one is this one is uh, good. Or, well, uh, this this tells you something, too. The Maple Leafs have made a trade with Chicago. And the Leafs are getting defenseman Jake McCabe and forward Sam Lafferty. They also get a, con a conditional fifth-round pick in the 2024 draft and a conditional fifth-round pick in the 2025 draft from the Blackhawks. Uh, in exchange in exchange for forwards Joey Anderson and Pavel Gugulev, a conditional first-round selection in the 2025 NHL draft that is top 10 protected, 
and a second-round selection in the 2026 draft. And the Blackhawks are keeping 50% of Jake McCabe's salary as part of the deal. So, did you get all that? Did you understand all of that? Toronto is getting Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from Chicago, along with Chicago's fifth-round pick in 2024 and fifth-round pick in 2025. Both are conditional picks. Chicago is getting Toronto's first-round pick in 2025. It's a conditional pick. Toronto's second-round pick in 2025, along with Joey Anderson and Pavel Gugulev. So that's a trade that has just gone down. So Toronto gets a defenseman. Toronto has been talked about with Gavrikov. And I was saying earlier, maybe a team that's already used its first-round pick as part of a trade, and you have to take a future first-round pick, but there goes a future first-round pick. Very interesting. Does that mean that Toronto's out of the mix, out of the loop? I don't know. I have to find out. Uh, Morgan says, uh, Nick Blankenberg was like an annoying gnat against Connor McDavid and then was the D-man chosen in overtime yesterday. Brad Larson has talked about having him choose his moments but then gives him some big asks. Any thoughts on how he's used and why? Well, he's getting big asks because he's playing big. He's like he agitated the heck out of Connor McDavid in Edmonton back at the end of January, and he did nothing different on Saturday. Same thing. So if he's going to perform like that, he's going to get that assignment. Why was he out in overtime? Why not? He was running the number one power play with Boquist out yesterday. He's an offensive defenseman. And you're playing three on three. In fact, he tried to split the defense himself and take the puck to the net. Got knocked down. But as Brad Larson said, hey, he got back into the play. If everybody keeps his man, we're fine. But they didn't. And then they lost. So, that is that. that but I have no problem with the way they use him. Use him to death. Because he gets results. He gets results, so you give him the big asks. He takes care of it, and that's that. Tyler says, something I've thought about recently with the Blue Jackets being in a position to sell or trade, would it be a good idea to try to go out and reacquire someone who is familiar with the organization and can come in and make an immediate impact? For example, Oliver Bjorkstrand being reacquired via trade. Nah. He hasn't had the greatest year in Seattle, but they're not going to trade him back. And you traded him, Tyler, because you had salary cap issues. You're still going to have those issues. So, no. It's a great idea. Would I – listen, if you said to me we could bring back Oliver Bjorkstrand, you want to do it? Yeah. Okay, sure. I do. But, like – and I know you're just using him as an example. But there's too many wingers on this team now. They need centermen. And they have too many wingers. Because even, you know, Chinikov hasn't been playing for the last couple of months. Do you remember him? I only do because I see him all the time because he's traveling with us again and he's skating. My point is that when he goes in, somebody has to come out. Who's that going to be? So there is a plethora of wingers 
So even if you were going to bring somebody, it's not going to be a, a winger. But they're not going to go out and trade right now. Right now they're just they're going to sell. They're going to get the whatever assets they can get, and they're going to try to turn those assets into something. Whether it's trading draft picks to get an established player, or whether it's uh, using those draft picks and developing a player somewhere down the line. It's I, I don't I don't see them. Now they may get somebody like again. So let's say the Maple Leafs are, would still be in the hunt. And, hey, we don't have first-round picks, but I'll tell you what, we've got this top prospect. We said we're not going to trade him, but if that's going to be the cost of doing business, we'll do it. I could see something like that, but I don't think there's – I don't think they're going out of their way to to actually acquire bodies right now. Oh, and, and how would – oh, I forgot the whole Cleveland part of it. How would it affect uh, guys going down to Cleveland? That's really what I want to see. That – this is the part I wanted to stress, and I totally forgot, and I almost walked away without finishing. Um, that's what I really want to see. Are they going to put players on the Cleveland roster? Uh, are they number one? Are they going to are they going to put their names on the roster so that they are qualifying for the uh, so they can play in the playoffs in the American Hockey League? Because that's what you have to do on trade deadline day. They have to be on the Monsters roster. I don't think they have to go down. I think it's uh, I think it's a flash in the pan thing where you can send them down, call them right back up. They could play in the game that day. I think. I should look into that, I guess. But I think that's the way it is. Or would they just send them out and bring some guys up? Would they start building that chemistry that they need in Cleveland right now? So are they going to send the young guys down? When I say young guys, I would I, – here's what I'm thinking in my mind. Sillinger, Johnson, Chinikov. Uh, I think Marchenko should stay here. I don't think he needs to be. I don't, I don't know that he needs to go back there. He's 22 years old. He's uh, leading the the race for the Cy Young Award here. He's 16 and one. Hockey players make me laugh about that kind of stuff. I mean, they literally, you know, that's what they say. He's got 16 goals and one assist. They compare it to a pitcher's record where he has 16 wins, and one loss. And uh, you know, if you didn't know this. I shouldn't assume that everybody does. I'm bad at that. I think everybody knows what I know. That's ridiculous. In baseball, at the end of the year, the best pitcher in each league gets the Cy Young Award. That so when he's 16 and one, you know, people are going, "Hey, where's the uh, the Cy Young leader?" The other day, um, when Edmonton was in, it was uh, Louis DeBrusque was doing color for the Oilers, and he goes, uh, "I got to go over here and talk to the Cy Young Award guy." In Marchenko. So uh, it's just funny that they use baseball terms with hockey stuff. You know, like a, a coach will say, you know, you get shut out. Your goalie plays really well, and you get shut out. Like what happened to Corpus Allo, uh last Thursday against Minnesota. And uh, they'll say, well, we got to get him more run support. More run support? Isn't it goal support? We're not scoring runs here. We're scoring goals here. It's just funny to me how some of that – the terminology, and it's been this way for a long time, obviously. Um, it's funny to me how the terminology is interchangeable with uh, a lot of hockey guys. The baseball terminology is interchangeable for them. All right, if you're with me on Twitter spaces, like Jordan is, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. And if you do that, I'll give you permission to be the speaker because I oversee all. I decide if you will speak or you will not speak. Asked to be a speaker, 
and then I will give you clearance. But then you have to unmute your microphone, which Jordan needs to do if he wants to be on the show. So if he does unmute his microphone, then we will let him speak. But if he doesn't unmute his microphone, then we just then we just can't. It's that simple. So Jordan, may, I don't know, maybe he walked away. Maybe he can't find the mute button. Who knows? Who knows? Going once, going twice, and gone. So he is out. That means there is room for somebody else. Somebody else could take Jordan's place. And I'll tell you who that somebody else is in just a second. I'm just waiting for it to hook up. Technology is great when it works. Banks is going to get the opportunity to take that open spot and step it up. But again, Banks has to unmute because if he doesn't unmute, they can't bring him on. So here we go again. Used to be you just sit in a uh, studio doing a talk show and then you could yell at your producer every time the caller wasn't there when he was supposed to be there. I can't yell at anybody because I'm just doing all this myself. So Banks, where are you, man? All right. Banks is gone like the dodo bird. Gone the way, how's that, what is that saying? It's gone the way of the dodo bird or something like that. Anyway, Banks is out. Irwin, excuse me, Irwin will not screw this up. Uh, I 100% know that one guy can, one guy can count on. Is Irwin. Hello, Irwin. How are you? Not doing bad. I will tell you this. I had trouble getting my uh, mic to unmute. Oh, you did? Okay. Well. Yes, it did. So, oh, so, so, did. so in other words, I'm ripping these guys, and it might not even be their fault is what you're telling me. Uh, it could be the dreaded technical difficulty. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll find. All right. So, Jordan and Banks, you're both still requested. Hang in there, and we'll tr- I'll try you again because if there was a technical thing, We'll get it all figured out. And Irwin, in the meantime, what's on your mind? A couple of things. You know, I don't know what was true about the Boston situation, what wasn't, because for some curious reason I wasn't involved in the negotiations. But I do know that when you let stuff like that slip out, it gives other teams a chance to move in and and undermine your trade. Or it doesn't even have to be a, a trade you might make. It might be a free agent signing or what you're doing in the draft. You know, it had been like if the Blue Jackets come out last year and said, if we don't get David Juracek in the draft, our, our whole entire draft is a failure. So Philadelphia going fifth instead of taking Gautier, they take Juracek and then turn around and say, okay, Columbus, what will you give us for him? Uh, we'll take that six overall. We'll take that extra three and four you got next year. How about Eric Robinson? I mean, you just don't let things like that slip out. I don't, like I said, I don't know what was true, but if things got out that uh, – were true that's too bad now i remember when you talked to john davidson a couple three weeks ago on the inside edge he said trades just don't happen overnight it takes quite a while to put them together and i'm going to assume he knows what he's talking about so i would have to say that washington and boston didn't have something that just started within a day or two of the trade being made that was probably talks had been going on for a while i would think so and i think you're right on both fronts too and if, um, you know, and you say about things getting out, you know, obviously it's, uh, 
I don't think the general managers are out there telling people, but people find out things. And, yeah, once it gets published, and if they are already having talks, then it is very easy to, to call and say, hey, um, you know that deal we were talking about, what if we were to do this? I, I think that's very possible. And, and you're right. You don't pick up the phone. No, I doubt a general manager. I, I don't think that the Leafs picked up the phone today and called the Blackhawks and said, hey, do you want to flip four players and some draft picks? And the answer was yes, and they went. So, yeah, you're, you're right on all of that. Yeah, this is going to be like a game of musical chairs as teams go out and pick up their defensemen and stuff they become less and less trade partners. And you hear Edmonton and you hear the LA Kings. I think Buffalo might also be an interesting trade partner myself. Uh, I think they've got some assets to move, and I think they really are desperate to get back into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, they are, big time, because it's been a long, long time, and now they finally have a team that has a chance. And they want to get in, you know, with these young teams. Well, if I go out on the street and I ask any – Buffalo resident, they'll probably say they can win the Stanley Cup. But honestly, they're probably not going to. But you want to get in there and get that playoff experience for your young group so you can learn from it and come back next year and go deeper and and all that stuff. So that's – yeah, that would be interesting. You know, I thought the other day, after watching the Edmonton game, I thought that Ken Holland, the general manager of the Oilers, should have just tried to take Gavrikov and Corpusalo with them on their plane when they left because both of those guys would help what ails the Edmonton Oilers because <laughs> they haven't they still haven't fixed their goaltending problem yeah uh, by the way going back to Saturday's game I have a question I want to ask you and I want to have a little disclaimer ahead of time. I'm not trying to set you up to criticize somebody, namely Brad Larson, because I'm not either. But as I watched that thing unfold and that four to nothing lead disappeared faster than Amelia Earhart, and it just started to just no offense, no defense, none of the passes were, were clicking. It just started to turn into a hot mess. And as the second period turned into the third period, I said to the guy next to me, I said, every time I look out there, it's either Corrales line or it's Jenner's line, and, and he's going to keep running these guys out here until he burns them out. Well, two minutes later, uh, I caught a flu. I got Roslovic out on the ice, and that line scored. And then a few minutes later, they scored again after that. I felt that he was kind of overusing those two lines. And then when the third period got away yesterday, in his presser after the game, he said, well, man, we just got tired in that third period. And I thought, well, with kind of the overuse of those two lines right there, it would kind of stand to reason. Again, I'm not trying to be critical of him because I'm not in that fire Larson bandwagon at all. But did it seem that way to you that he was overusing those lines on Saturday? He overuses those lines every day. And it's because those two lines, he knows what he's going to get every time he sends them out there. And in all fairness, yeah, yeah, he overuses them. But again, that's why he trusts them. He trusts those two lines more than anybody else. You know, Boone and Sean are going to win their face-offs um, pretty consistently. Uh, you know, the Olivier and Robinson pairing there, they, the, those guys are – they just do the same thing every shift they go out on the ice. And Johnny Gaudreau's out there. It's always a threat to score. Marchenko's now on that line. He's flying around all over the place and, and playing hard. And, you know, yeah, Jack turns out to have a great performance on Saturday, but – he is so inconsistent, and he's, when you you talk about Liam Foody and Emil Bemstrom, the game's on the line. No offense to either of those guys, 
I'm not going to them with a game on the line because they just haven't proven that they're going to do much for me at that point in time. So I do think he overuses them, but I think he overuses them because he knows what he's going to get out of them. And, you know, where he is right now, that's what he's got. He's, he's just dealing with what he's got. So yeah, he does. He used, he, I'd say he uses them too much, but if you use them less, you probably lose more, quite honestly. Uh, yeah, I get that. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I looked at the, at the time on ice, and I'm seeing like 24 and 25 minutes for that top line, and I'm like, wow. Remember <laughs> I, when they I were going to hold Boone back this year because they didn't want him to get injured? <laughs> yeah, I thought of that. Yeah, absolutely. Can't do it, man. Anyway. Hey, you just can't. You got to. It's the hand you're dealt, right? So just got to play it. Yep. All righty. Hey, great talking to you again. Thanks, Erwin. So Irwin was on. So now, let's see if Banks, let's see if we can get uh, Banks on this time. See if it was indeed a technical difficulty. Banks, are you here this time? Oh, he just dropped, completely dropped. That's a technical difficulty in and of itself. What about Jordan? We'll go back to Jordan and see... Uh, See if he can unmute this time. Oh, I thought he was. Yes, he is. Hello, Jordan. Good to see you, Bob. It's great to see you here, you guys, on this Monday trade talk. So, my question would be, like, if if the Jackets do trade Gabbercock to a different team, who would you suggest he go to? Because I know the Boston Brewers were, were suggesting, but who do you think you would see, you know, getting back in return? It depends on which team he gets traded to. Well, the Kings are still looking for defense. Uh, I think Edmonton would be in the mix. Um, I, I would, I would, I would guess that uh, those two might be interested. Beyond that, I'm not sure. With uh, Toronto getting Jake McCabe today, uh, that might be the end of that relationship. So, um, not sure. But I, I, the Kings and the Oilers are the first two that uh, that I think of. No, you're you're right, and I mean. After listening to the game, I mean, I think everybody loved how Carrillo was just, uh, he's just motivating his team going on forward. And you could tell that they're, they're playing consistent. I mean, their next game against Buffalo, that's, that's going to be a tough match. Cause I mean, uh, now that Patrick Kane's with the Rangers, how do you see, how do you see the Jackets doing tomorrow night as they face against Craig Anderson and the, uh, Sabres? Well, I, I mean, I don't know. You, uh, you go back to, a couple of months ago, Nationwide Arena, it was horrible. And Tage Thompson had, uh, what do you have, the five goals in that game? So uh, they're dangerous. They are extremely dangerous. They have to be treated as such. and uh, But they're facing some pressure now because they're trying to get into the playoffs. And, again, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets are playing pressure-free hockey right now, quite honestly. Banks, third time at Charm. Do I have you? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Can you hear me? I can. Finally. Okay, great. Um, I'm just um, wondering more about Corpus Salo's trade destination and prospects. I mean, I see that Mike McKenna is talking about Ottawa would be a great fit for him. And I'm just wondering, A, which teams do you think really will make a strong bid for him and whether his current play which i think has been fantastic would be as likely to continue 
in a new situation where he might not even be the number one guy. Yeah, I think um, I think Vegas could be a team that looks at him because of the Logan Thompson injury. Um, I think to, I'm just reading this as you're asking me that question. It's just coming up on Twitter about the the Leafs salary cap situation. It says they look to be roughly $1 million over the cap when Matt Murray is healthy. So it would seem that something has to give where they have to get uh, under the salary cap. But seeing Matt Murray's name just made me think Toronto could be a destination for him. Um, If I was Ron Hextall with the Penguins, I would be calling to see if I could get him because that's a mess there. Tristan Jari has been hurt a lot. Uh, Casey DeSmith, if that team wants to get into the playoffs, I don't know if that's the duo for them. And if they do get into the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to get very far with that duo. Um, so, you know, all of all of those places. in Ottawa, yeah, I guess, yeah, for sure, Ottawa could be in it. Well, there, I know um, there have been some rumors about Pittsburgh maybe trying to get Cam Talbot out of Ottawa. So that could be a possibility as well. I, I'll tell you what, though, no matter what happens, I would love – and this probably doesn't happen, but I would love to see him re-sign in the summer. Uh, but, you know, because Tarasov's been hurt a lot now in Cleveland and what, what we thought was going to be a slam dunk fix the goalie situation here might not be that. So, uh, but anyway, I, I hope wherever he goes, I hope he gets a chance to play. And I, I, he's got a chance to take somebody deep into the playoffs. Do you think there's a better than 50% chance right now that he does get dealt by the deadline? Yes. Absolutely. Close to 100 or? I would think. There are teams that need goalies. He's on the one-year deal. Uh, it just, you know, if, if he, if you can get something out of him and the way he's playing right now, you should be able to. And, and don't think it's going to be a first-round pick or anything, but um, I think you'd rather take something than walk away with nothing. And give him a chance, too. I mean, I, I think he deserves to go to a team that is uh, making a playoff push or is going to be in the playoffs, and I, I hope that he gets to play. But I, I think they – I kind of think they owe him that. I mean, they've kind of messed him around a couple of years with contract stuff, and uh, I, I would like to see I, – I hope that uh, – I hope he goes somewhere where he gets a chance to be an impact guy. But I, I see it being close to 100%. And do you think it'll come right down to – the wire on something like that with him? It could. I think with the uh, with the goalie market, nothing's really started to go yet. So once it does, I, I think it'll go quickly. You, you need the dom- You need the first domino to fall, right? So whether that will be him or not, I don't know. But I, it'll probably go down to trade deadline day. Um, of course, I don't know. It'll, everybody's making all these deals way before the deadline. I feel bad for those TV networks that have the eight-hour trade shows because what are they going to talk about? There might not be anything left. But, um, yeah, I'd, I could see it going until Friday and then coming down to the wire there. But I, I just – I really – I don't think he'll be here at 3.01 on Friday afternoon. Mm, interesting. Well, thank you for uh, bearing with me. Thank you for bearing with me. We got everything fixed. I'm glad <laughs> you could come on. I appreciate it. All right, man, thanks. All right. So if you would like to uh, ask a question, you can do that on Twitter Spaces. Only if you're live on Twitter Spaces right now. 
Like, if you're listening to this as a podcast, then you can't ask your question live because it's already taken place and you missed the boat. But if you're live, like Paul is right now, if you're live on Twitter spaces like Paul, you can ask a question. Hello, Paul. Hello, Bob. How you doing today? Good. How about you? I'm great. I'm great. I was in town. I was in the arena on Saturday. That was a fantastic game to see live. Okay, let me ask you a question. I, I'm going to stop you right there. I want to ask you, how many games? Mm-hmm. How many games do you go to a season? I uh, used to before I had kids. Used to go to like 15 or more. Okay, a dozen at least. All right. So I want to ask you from a fan standpoint. Not a coach's standpoint, because if you're a coach and the game finishes six to five, you're happy to win, but you got a lot of problems with that game. From a fan standpoint, how enjoyable was that game? It was a blast. You heard the cannon nine times. It was a great time. <laughs> Good point. I mean, 11 <laughs> goals. I, I think for casual people to come maybe once or twice a year, maybe don't even understand the game a lot, you got to see 11 goals scored. You got to see arguably the greatest player in the world take his team and put it on his back and get the game tied again. And then you got to see your team win it at the very end. And and you got to go home before 3 o'clock in the afternoon or 3.30 in the afternoon, whatever. Uh, they, I think they – I don't know why they only do 12.30 games once a year. It might be a scheduling thing, but I think they could do it more frequently. I think it was very enjoyable. Yeah. And that – I saw Connor McDavid about five years ago play, and – you know, gosh, seeing that guy in person's different. He when he when he cranks it up and really gets going full speed. Oh my god, that's terrifying. Could you imagine I if you were imagine what a defender? I, I was just going to say that. Could you imagine if you were looking at him and he's bearing down on you? You imagine how Johnny Gaudreau felt on that shorthanded goal when Johnny was the lone guy back. Oh, Johnny tried everything he could do. He couldn't do anything. Now, all he could have. The only other thing he could have done was just taken two hands and slashed him right across the legs or something. <laughs> I think he tried. I, <laughs> I remember there was a broadcast. I think it might have been Edmonton's broadcast on the highlight, and they're like, that should have been a hooking call or yeah. something. But <laughs> Anyway, what did, uh, what's on your mind? Well, I'm curious about something because it seems like a lot of defensive uh, trade partners are starting to dry up. If Hypothetically, 3 o'clock rolls around Friday. Gavrikov isn't traded or maybe a deal doesn't come around that is worth it. And this is obviously highly unlikely, but you know, now that he's sat for the last two and a half weeks for no reason, what does that do to the relationship between him and the front office? Do you think it really, does it do anything to it or does it really just kind of, I don't know, sour things? Uh, well, it's not going to help anything. And, but it goes it's it's bigger than that though Paul if he's not dealt after all of this to me that's an epic fail he's got to be traded he's got to go somewhere and uh, we know that Yarmo is a stickler for what he wants in return and usually holds out until he gets it um so for him not to go anywhere I, to me would be terrible just beyond just from a team standpoint and uh, with him you know, he's a, he's such a great person. He, he would love to be in uniform and play tomorrow night. I'll guarantee you that. Um, so he would play and it would be fine. But if they haven't been able to work out a contract extension to this point, that wouldn't help. You know, after you sit him for two weeks and then don't trade him, it's not going to help you get a deal done after that, right? So 
It's uh, it would not be good. Yeah, and it, I mean, you'd think if Yarmo's asking price was fair, that some type of deal would have already been done. But well, you like don't. A you don't. Handful of teams left. I know, but do we do we even really know how many that is? Not really. I mean, we all know what we read and stuff, but you know, uh, sometimes. Sometimes at the trade deadline, you see a move and you go, what did they get that guy for? And then you find out that, uh, hey, somebody has to have surgery and they're going to miss some playoffs. Oh, okay, that's why. Um, you know, so well, there can always be surprises along the way. But, uh, yeah, it, it appears as though it's drying up. You're right. But do we know? do we know everything that's out there? Probably not. Well, hopefully uh... – Good things will come on, come by Friday, and uh, hopefully Jack gets get a few more wins this week. Do you really want that, or do you want Connor Bedard? I, I, I'm asking you, know you as a fan again. I'm, I'm I'm serious. I'm just curious. I'd like a little bit of good time. So you know, March is coming. <laughs> right. March is coming. A lot of road games. To that's level, to level things out. Let's that's have true. a little bit of fun. Win know? at home, right? Uh, Win at home and have fun. That they're on. Yes. All right. I'm with you on that. We're in total <laughs> agreement, Paul. All right. Thanks. Ah, uh, see, it's good to, what are we going to talk about next week? Like everything will be done. I guess we'll rehash what, what got done or didn't get done next week. Right. But it's, uh, it's fun to talk about. It's fun just to sit and chat day off in Buffalo. What else am I going to do? Actually, the sun is kind of out today. It was out this morning. It's a little bit cloudy now. It's low thirties. It's not snowing. Shocker. I can't believe it. I thought for sure I'd wake up to a blizzard today. I looked the other day, and it was saying, uh, and the Weather Channel was saying, we're watching a potential winter storm. And I was like, oh, great. But I haven't seen it. I just saw a tweet. It said, uh, I, I just saw first goalie, and I thought, oh, my gosh, did they just trade a goalie? We were just talking about this. But no, it's just saying that the first goalie off the ice for the Vegas Golden Knights. Saying who's going to play tonight for Vegas is not a trade. I panicked for just a second. Absolutely panicked there. Because I thought I just talked about goalie trades and then they started to happen. Because if that would have happened, if I was talking about goalie trades and then a goalie got traded, the next thing I would start talking about is me winning the lottery. That, that would be the very next thing I would start talking about. Debbie is live with us on Twitter Spaces. So, Debbie, unmute. How are you? Hi. Fine. How are you? Good. Um, my main concern is basically it's the weakness of the defense. Um, I know that we are weak down there. And by sitting Gabrikov out, it's just not helping the matters. And they're protecting him. Well, if he's practicing by skating out, what happens if he gets hurt then? It's just defeating the whole purpose. Yeah, but he's not blocking shots in practice. He's not hitting well, anybody no. in practice. No, but there's always that chance that he could wind up falling awkward and hurt an ankle or hurt a, or hurt a foot. That is true. That is true, but it's it's a shot blocking thing that is of primary concern, or a p possibly a body injury. That's correct. 
Okay. But but I will say this, Debbie. Like in in all fairness, and, and I'm not knocking Vlad here, and I've I've jokingly asked this to Brad Larson. Why are they playing better with him out of the lineup? They're actually playing a better overall defensive structure with him gone. Maybe I'm thinking it could be because you got the the rookies in there, the youngsters trying to prove but themselves. They also need, sure, but you also need that veteran leadership on the back line to help them, you know, get themselves better to where they can go up the ladder. Yes. No, you do. Yeah, absolutely. You do. Um, look, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of his leaving. I, I wish he would stay, but it's the, it's the business side of it. And, uh, you know, contracts are, contracts are contracts. And if you can't work one out, then you have to get some kind of an asset instead of just letting the guy walk. So it's, it's unfortunate. And uh, he's a good guy. He's always going to be liked around here for a long time. And, uh, and I wish him nothing but the best. But, yes, you do need that leadership. Um, you know, Zach Wierenski will be back next year. So there's one guy. And maybe they go out and they add some of that during the offseason, too. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, it's just this whole situation stinks with him. I'll be glad when it's finally over so we can quit talking about it and he can move on and start getting ready for the playoffs with somebody. Okay, what do you see for next year's roster? Overall or on defense? Oh, no, overall. Well, again, a lot of that depends upon what draft position you finish in because mm-hmm. if you finish dead last and you do happen to win the Connor Bedard lottery, he's going to be on the team. Uh, that Fantilli kid, that centerman in uh, Michigan, who's probably going to go second. I think, if, uh, I think if he's drafted by the Blue Jackets, he could be on the team next year. But you're going to see – you're going to see a lot of the same faces. Um, but then there's not going to be enough room for all of them either because Justin Danforth's going to come back into the mix next year. He's he's going to bump somebody out. Um, you know, Gus, I, I don't know if Nyquist is going to resign in the summer or not. You're talking about veteran leadership. That that might be a guy that they they might want to bring back for veteran leadership. So, But I think the, the bulk of the team is going to look like it does right now. I look at it this way as far as Nyquist goes. When he was playing before he got hurt, he was like the pest on the team. He was dangerous on the shorthanded, shorthanded situation. Um, I mean, he was just kind of – he reminds me of Sam Gagne. Yeah. He played. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, he can play anywhere in the lineup, and he's uh, he's a threat, and he's, he's a veteran guy. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Um, Yarmo's just got some – some issues he has to deal with. And we just, as the fan base, we just have to just kind of like sit back and see what, what goes on. That's right. Sit back and wait and then hash it all out after three o'clock on Friday afternoon. Oh, I'll be waiting. I appreciate it. And thank you, Bob. Thanks for coming on, Debbie. Great talking to you. All right. So great conversation here on this Monday mailbag. Glad uh, that you were a part of it, whether you were asking a question, whether you're just listening along, or whether you're listening to it well after it was over. It's a podcast. It doesn't matter to me. I know you're always there, and I enjoy talking about these things. Uh, the Blue Jackets and the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow night, 7.30 face-off here in Buffalo. That game is not on Bally Sports Ohio, by the way. That is an ESPN Plus game tomorrow night. So the only Blue Jackets coverage that you'll get on that game is with me on the Blue Jackets radio network, 97.1 The Fan in Columbus and all across the state on our radio network. So 
you should know that. Dylan Tyre will start the pregame show at 7 o'clock for you tomorrow night. And as I said, the game gets underway at 7.30. Then the Blue Jackets come home, and their next game will not be until trade deadline day. That is Friday when the Seattle Kraken are in town. And who will be the goalie that night? I don't know. Who will be the defenseman that night? I don't know. Who will be the forwards that night? I don't know. We'll see what happens between now and then. So the excitement of trade deadline is coming to a climax this week. Friday, 3 o'clock. Oh, by the way, on Friday, we're going to have a trade deadline show for you that will be streaming live. We're going to start it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and go until 3.30. So look at bluejackets.com for more information on that. And, of course, I'll be talking about it on everything I do. Until next time, so long.